Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. So we have the hat trick here live in person at Camp Garski. Dude hat trick. Sarah's still MIA. Typical. Typical. She's like a bird she is. But that means no babysitter. (laughs) We got Tyler sitting with us too. AKA the third rail. How's it going? It's going. It's going. So Charlie, you were eyeballing my minions on my desk here. That's not the topic for today, but I do appreciate the minion Legos. Um, I didn't know those were sets. Now I'll have to get them for Christmas well, for somebody. So what's I know. even cooler is uh, inside of them, oh, it's of like course. a little fort. Of course it is. Yeah, with nice. a little yeah. minion. Why wouldn't it be a minion inside of a minion? Everybody loves the Russian nesting doll concept, right? Yeah. So I I appreciate these. Yeah. Um, I mean, whenever I drive my Porsche, I drive around with a Lego Porsche inside of my Porsche. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And is there a Porsche inside of that Lego Porsche, yeah. like a Matchbox in one? The, in the imaginary world we're participating in right now? Yes, there is. <laughs> so uh, across the interwebs, I've been seeing, just for little blurps of news and non-news, I was curious, uh, and I was asking Tyler on the way down here today, do you believe in the Picklebot, the Pickleball Robot Challenge? And you you say it's real. Those aren't those aren't like deep fakes. Those are real. I don't know. I mean, you haven't talked to the people that were on the on nope. the on the court. <laughs> but I've played. Do I need to pull one up here? Well, I mean, you can. But I mean, uh, you're the producer. I've been, you know, one of my favorite things when we go to these automation fairs is the demo. Right? Do you have a favorite demo that you you've participated with in the past? I mean, any of the demos that I've made that actually are working at the show are my favorite at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. But I've played foosball. I've played ping pong. I've climbed rock walls that accelerate. You know, they're infinity rock walls because they're a big wheel. And Like uh, the rolling road from our friends at MTS, but vertical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a big barrel, though. And oh. then they accelerate. It was a gear motor demo. Okay. With some automation. And they gave you a t-shirt. Bongfilio, I think is how you say it. Sweet. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's treacherous. It's a pretty big wheel. I, I would say it was probably in the range of four to, f- you know, four meter. It was pretty tall. That's pretty big. Yeah. It's pretty great. So I have three headlines as I typed in Pickleball Robot from India today and you you turn English. Where everybody gets their news. These are CGIs. Yeah, they're all fakes, right? But the one that Kuka put together where my uh, buddy Timo Bull, harken back to an episode oh, like yeah, a year yeah, and a yeah, half yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. that was a real one. Like ping pong robots are real. Uh, Kuka's done it. I think Omron's done it. Yeah, I played Omron with it, but they took a probably a what? Five axi? And they suspended it vertically over the table. It's a delta because it's the spider shape, right? Yeah, it looked like yes. a spider. Thank you. And it kicked my butt. I mean, it, I didn't go to school for ping pong. I'm not Forrest Gump, <laughs> dude. But um, the idea that you're going to have a bipedal robot playing pickleball, which is just glorified ping pong, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> I think it's a misuse of automation. Obviously, it's a sales tool. 
W- without a doubt. I mean, that's the great. You know, yeah. You might as well build a bike to show off casting technology. I think that's a cooler story. Yeah. So uh, the topic of the day. Uh, well, so let's get back to favorite yeah. trade show demo for Tyler. He said his favorite one was the one he worked on. Which one's that? It's a non-answer answer. Thank you. I feel like I did that well, but the. <laughs> <laughs> I was letting him leave. I was like, okay, you didn't want to talk about it? That's fine. We move on. Right on. I was reading between the lines. No, I mean, any of them that actually demonstrate something, like they're they're more than just blinky lights. Like for sure. So um, the one that c- keeps coming to mind, and I wasn't at the show, but I saw plenty of highlights, was the, the robot that was like, it picked up the Corvette or whatever and was moving it around. Oh, was that IMTS? Yeah. 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 That was a... It's a Fanic. Fanic, yeah. Like, it's just the, the scale of, yeah, I, yeah, that's, I don't know. I think it would have been baller if it would have been an F-350. F <laughs> I mean, it probably could. I mean, holy cow. I mean, a Corvette <laughs> is impressive. But <laughs> Give me a long bed, quad cam, F-350, full rack, big tires. Not the carbon fiber rocket ship. <laughs> yeah, that's way too small. Yeah. What is it, 2Gs or something? All like right. What was good, Pat? Or near to that? So for me, I did one uh, when I was working for an OEM. This is going to, I'm going to date myself here, about 18 years ago. Wow. And we took a sick IVC 3D camera. So it's a laser line projector and then a camera calibrated to it. And it gives you a 3D image, right? So this was way before 3D imagery was like all the rage. Sure. And we bolted that thing to the end of a robot. And we had a bunch of Nerf basketballs in a basket. So we were doing bin picking of basketballs. And if that wasn't enough, so we would scan over the top of the box, locate the ball. And my buddy KJ from Sweden wrote all the the camera magic. I'd pick up the ball and then I threw it through a hoop. Nice. Super fun, right? But everyone's like, Sounds like a Mark Roper before YouTube. Yeah. And he's like, well, everyone would come up. How did you calculate how how to throw the ball? And how, how did you figure that all out? And I went, Wide physics model, dude. Not even. I just took a run at an angle and turning the vacuum off before I got to my destination. Oh, even simpler. Yeah. And then then when I got there, I'm like, okay. And if it was off, like I just turned the speed up or down a little bit and then poof. So trial and error, all smoke and mirrors. But it did sure shit throw basketballs through. It's a demo for a sales show. But it was awesome. Yeah. But I'm with you guys. It's got to do something. If you're just going to show me your widget on the table, get lost. I'll go to the internet. Yeah. yeah. Have, have you have you seen this uh, YouTube guy uh, stuff made here? I forget his name, but no. So he he did that like with a movable basketball hoop, full vision system, and he would like you could literally just lob it over the, your shoulder. Hoop would position itself. Yeah. Every time. Every time. And he, yeah. uh, previous to that, he built like this crazy, like parabolic backboard. Yeah. Same thing. You could just lob one yeah, up there. I have seen that. Yeah. And Roper did it with a dartboard. Oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 You just <laughs> throw sharp <laughs> objects awesome. and it goes bullseye. It seems like a great idea. Yeah. Like for me, the, for me, the trick is like, if I'm walking by, it's gotta be something that like is worth my attention for whatever, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, so it better, yeah, if it's something, if it's the same, I can go download off the internet, like, no, no good. No. Right. So, and, and bonus points if I can just walk up. Whatever you're looking at over there. 
You share your oh, digits? Uh, yeah. Do you want to turn the TVs yeah, back? No, I'll do it. Buttons. Keep talking. But Keep talking. So your two exact two exact point, like IMTS last year, they had I didn't get to go this year. Didn't have better things to do, but they had a it was it wasn't in Chicago, I don't think, this year either. But they had a uh they had it like a Thor hammer that was three D printed. And then you you played the state fair whack a mole like hit a target and then they would show the strength, oh nice right and they were they were showing I don't even remember who did it so it wasn't that great of a demo it's not the Omron robot everybody remembers the Omron robot that was five years ago right but these guys three D printed some killer Thor hammer and they're like well try and break it <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And they they were, they had a dude you know some of those IMTS booths like the Italian bearing company had some Italian models, this, this one they had a, a former tight end standing out front like talking to people, <laughs> you know who looked like Thor himself and I was like what are you six eight? He goes yeah, six eight. He's like I was I was two fifty or whatever when I was playing. I'm like jeez, and he's wow. still and he's still ripped and you're like. Gosh, I'm like, what do you hit it? He's like, oh, I can, I can top out the display. I was like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of 3D printing, uh, this is what I'm printing out down here. This, uh, this cap for the Gandalf staff. I paused it so Nerd. we don't have the stepper motors running in the background. But good for uh, you. Definitely going to Renfest here in Minnesota on Sunday. Definitely gonna have myself a Gandalf staff to go with along with the rest of my costume. So do you have the beard? Not yet. That's Can you the one sleep standing up? I mean, how do you, with your eyes open? I mean, it's kind of my normal st- state of the being, right? So you should share this with the uh, with the thirteen uh, year old, so I can listen to the three D printer go in my house for days on end. Right? <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. He made a Homer mask the other day. Cool. Yeah, he was disappointed that it doesn't fit his head. I'm like, well, you grew too much. <laughs> yeah. Get a bigger three D printer, dude. But with, well, or split it into two parts and then just use the scale. So does that have system. like a threaded, uh, like uh, the same thread that you put on the end of a broomstick so you can go to the hardware store and then just paint it? I mean, no, how? So this guy. I mean, come on, the, interface, interface, night. interface. Standard interface. Right. Okay. This guy's got a bunch of pieces that he printed, which is a terrible life choice. I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> So it also is designed to go on the end of a, this is one inch in diameter and by my printer, I've got some walking sticks. So I'm going to bore a one inch hole in my walking stick into the end. And then I'm going to cut a three inch piece of copper pipe. And then I'm going to slide this over the copper pipe and bolt it to my wooden staff. If it's it's like four exclamation points after all caps, N E R D right now. All right, so yeah, so one of the things that these uh, demos watch me land this plane. One of the things <laughs> these demos at these trade shows do, they bring you in to talk to them. And one of the things that I anticipate will be talked about at this year's SPS, um, it was kind of it's been in the underlayer now for I don't know. You could argue four years, sure. You could argue two decades, depending on the perspective you want to have. Which is the idea that right now in the in the marketplace there are Profi, Ethernet IP, Modbus TCP IP, um, 
I just lost it. Ethercat. Ethercat, right? So you've got, let's just call it four Ethernet networks. And that constitutes the majority of the market, like over 90%, right? Yep. And so here's the topic of the day, listener. The idea is we've got four highways, and they're all going to the same place, which is automation, whatever your automation is. If it's motor control, if it's vision, if it's safety, if it's um, just a, a smart MCC, doesn't matter. These are the four primary networks that are out there. If you're building a machine, obviously there's pluses and minuses to all of them. We could get into that. But the game is, is there's this idea that everybody is going to stop playing against each other and they're going to start playing with each other with the idea that at the end of the day, the customer benefits the most because we go to a, if I'm not mistaken, a two-wire Ethernet that does everything. And instead of having four different sets of infrastructure, you just have one giant highway and you get to do speed, you get safety, and you get device compatibility, which are the three things that everybody talks about, right? Those are the differentiators between those four networks. Do you have any experience messing with any of that or can you t- I know with you know obviously we can't get into what our day jobs um, may or may not allow us to talk about but um, what are you able to talk about there Tyler yeah I mean it oh and can open sure but that's not an ethernet network go on yeah I mean it's it's interesting to see because um, like probably the only like 4 to 20 heart is another one that I would throw on there for and there's probably a half a dozen other ones that make up that 5% of the 90, you yeah, know, foundation field bus, foundation CC field link. Bus. So yeah. like one of the, one of the other big ones for this, like, Circos. you know, single pair ethernet, APL, whichever thing you're looking at is that in theory, layout APL again, please for everybody. Uh, I forget what it stands oh, for. Oh, got me too. Pro, he'll get it. Oh, good old Ozzy. Ozzy's such a great oh. idea. It never happened. <laughs> So go on. But the the theory is that some of these older two-wire networks, you can bolt on the single-pair pair Ethernet yep. and re- keep all the cabling in place. Everything should come back just now as Ethernet instead of whatever previous protocol it was. Oh, really? So, so this, this the, the, the single-pair Ethernet, like future Ethernet 2.0, as some are often calling about it in the industry... You're saying that it'll it'll go it's backwards compatible. Well, not with the physical wiring. But if I went in and said, "Hey, I'm going to add phase four, and phases one through three were all EIP, for instance. Mm-hmm. Now all that just comes into my ma- my new master. Phase four becomes the master uh, network for my entire plant or my machine layouts. Yeah, I mean, I think in theory, because it all everything comes back as Ethernet, so then it. You know, you can combine it wherever. Cool. So here's an interesting question as it relates to this two wire. Yeah. And uh, if anybody's got info, ping me and spot check me here. So we did this a long time ago with coax, right? It was called 10 base T. We were throwing Ethernet on a two, effectively a two wire, two conductor system. Yep. We were limited to 10 meg. Mm hmm. Is it's kind of what I'm seeing here with this new APL thing. It seems like we're still limited to 10 meg. Is that accurate? And, the, and 
I believe APL is advanced physical layer. Thanks. I remember that. Okay. Now. I agree with you. <laughs> so I, I guess the question would be, okay, so here it's a physical layer that'll be able to support Ethernet IP, hard IP, OPC, UA, Profinet, and other high-level protocols. So the and two wire... the source. AP, everybody over in Europe just is goo-goo for gaga over uh, open... ODVA? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great. But so I love the idea of... And the OPC Foundation does a really good job of, you know, turning up the game. Yep. Yeah. So, the, I do, yeah, look, everybody's on it. I do think what you said was right, Justin. So I, I think this is going to be limited, at least in its initial rollout, to like 10 base T kind of stuff. But if, if you're comparing that to like Blue Hose or, you know, even Field Bus is like 31.25K BOD, you know, like. For sure. That's, but it is an EtherCAT speed. Well, right, but it's not like dial-up modem speed either. Sure. So, I mean, like, that that's a... You're right. But if you're just doing motor control centers... Well, and I would even say... And or this just is, big panels. This kind of bleeds into our day job a little bit, but safety and motion control are very, very synchronous things, right? Like, with safety, you have a timestamp that comes with every packet that's going out there, and if you miss a bunch... You're going into an e-stop state, right? So like, do we get safety with this? Uh, it looks like you can get everything you want with this because well, it's look, just speed the media. Even. The thing that's interesting about this to me in, in the bottom right of this picture, it looks like you can now get intrinsic safety and your your display is not catching up to mine. But there's a there's an image here on my screen that's showing intrinsic safety over this two-wire Ethernet. So things like... Oil and glass, or other places where it goes kaboomski, uh, grain mills, or whatever else. Now, all of a sudden, this is an interesting way to get your network in there. Where before, your only choices really were like fiber optics, right? Like you, you had to go fiber. Sure, but I mean, are we going to get to the point where we, we, you know, we put a A6 core, you know, dual core chip into a mini motor protector and actually have a competitive price that you can just deploy all the logic in and out from? that dumb of motor control right now? I mean, obviously, it'd be nice then this make it everybody have the same network on every VFD in the whole wide world, you know, in soft starter. There's an update that would be beneficial. Well, yep. but but again, I think the difference being in, in, in I don't know why that's not updating fast enough or same. Probably because you don't have a two-wire Ethernet cable. It's probably why. Laptop. Um, but that's the, so it looks like this is the physical layer it's not the, uh, it's the protocol. It's yeah. not the protocol. So you can put whatever the hell protocol you want on it. Kind of like you can do now with some of the, I know we can do that with some of the heads from Wago. Sure. Sure. Yeah. We the other call one port, you know, an ethernet IP port and the other port on Modbus TCP IP port. Yeah. The other, the other thing that that was nuts on the, <laughs> the graphic that was stuck on the screen was that it looks like uh, Ethernet, single-pair Ethernet, can do up to 1,000 meters. Yep. On, yeah. Which is nuts. Yep. So It's almost big enough for a Texas manufacturing plant. Almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> but it does, like, some of these legacy, like, I know that's what's uh, kept a lot of people using serial stuff because mm -hmm. it just can't, you can't, just can't go the distance with normal Ethernet. Mm -hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there's, I mean, at the same time, we talk about all this physical and then, you know, 
advanced physical, you know, the, the, there's always the debate of, can we go wireless? Can we do it safely? Um, and by safely, I mean not lose signal and not lose data over that signal. Obviously, you're not doing actual safety uh, wireless braking, for instance. Uh, so we've done wireless with safety involved. Well, you have a local safety relay on the machine. Like, how do you ensure safety? Yes. Yeah, so the there's been a master control system. We've done it for amusement park rides. So you have a safety controller on the vehicle, and then you have a safety system up above that, right? So if you do lose communications, Wirelessly, you can lock it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about wireless and safety and really motion and safety too, is a lot of wireless networks are a break and then make as you're hopping between access points. Okay. In industrial stuff, you need to make your second connection before you break the first. So it's just a function of money. So on the ride, you just put up more wireless repeaters. Or you design a very special antenna, but yes. Got it. Yes. I got it. Um, but also there's some firmware magic in those repeaters or, you know, network switches or access points that allow you to make that secondary connection before you break. I think firmware magic is redundant for the record. You think all firmware is magic? Exactly. <laughs> but is all magic firmware? No. Okay. I think firmware is a type of magic. It's a, it's a, it's a sect. <laughs> A subclass, if you will, if we're uh, getting our gaming uh, hats on. No, I think it's, honestly, I think it's a, um, it's a field of magic that you can study. Perfect. Perfect. I mean, because look what they do with it. They go, oh, we've got this hardware. And my favorite example is like an HMI with a PLC built in the back of it. And we're, we're going to stop using this coding software. We're going to jump to this one and all we have to do to maintain our inventory and appease our customers who have made inventory in the field who also want to make the change. We just got to say, Hey, use firmware 25 and firmware 24 uses the old stuff. Firmware 25 and future goes using this stuff. That's magic. You don't have to change your production of your HMI. You don't have to tell your vendor who's making it for you or supplying you chips that they got to do anything. You know the thing that freaks me out even more than firmware? Tell me. Compilers. Well, that is magic. Isn't it? Talk about automation. It's totally magic. Like, I typed in a bunch of logical text and poof. It, it became just mysteriously, ones and zeros. Yeah. That my chip can understand. Like, who does that? Also. And by your chip understanding, it's transistors. Correct. <laughs> right. Right. And in the very near future, they're going to be, what is the, what are they doing out of the Netherlands? Are they diamond now? Mm. It's, it's like a pressure. The new quantum yeah, shenanigans. The, yeah, the, 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 the Dutch are leading that game. Also, I. Uh, and then AI will take over. I had a challenge last week with my stupid computer, and I think this is part of why the screen display is not working. So Apple upgraded me to version 13.3 of the Mac OS, I believe it was. Okay. Did you see the parade, or how did you know you had updated? Uh, it, it just, when I got back on my computer, it's like, oh, your computer's been updated. And oh, most yeah. of the time, that's a good thing. I'm okay with that. Uh, but it broke the connection to my docking station. 
So it stopped working. So currently I am running a uh, beta version of Sonoma, the 14.0. And I have a suspicion that as I... Uh, Call your firmware. Oh, no, company. it's working now. Okay. Um, anyway. So this damn firmware. This is the whole reason I brought my backpack in upstairs and I forgot to bring it with me. So the other firmware that came out was uh, 17 and it enabled like iPads with USB-C to actually use USB-C devices. Oh. So one of the like. What? So, so what, I need to update my firmware. Well, so check it out. So I have an iPad. The thing I've always wanted to use my iPad for is like a second monitor. Totally. For my Windows PC. Yeah. Oh, so I can do that? Yeah. So I, so there's this, uh, it's like Orion is the name of the app. Okay. And you just get a, like literally a cheap video yeah. capture card, USB-C. Yeah. You plug it in, you launch this app, you plug in your HDMI cable, and now you can use an iPad as a second screen. Balls. That's fantastic. Dude, that would save me from having to carry because I have that USB-C monitor yeah, that I'm always carrying. Carry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like battery life is. I mean, it, I think it's doing a lot of it's doing a lot of work to make that happen. Well, can I but, just get a Y injector and then power my laptop and power the uh, sure IP? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Power, yeah, power, plug that into the wall. You're not doing the second screen without an outlet nearby, right? So, but I was like this. This is what I want my devices to do. Apple should just make that an option and then they sell more iPads. It should just be a USB-C cable that I can plug in and then display. And I'll pay $45 for that cable. Oh, yeah. And and it's obvious it only needs to be 12 inches or less. I want to plug it into my other computer and it go, hey, do you want to use your iPad as a video or sound or display? Like, that's what I want. Yeah. So you know you can do that with a Mac today with your iPad. I'm sure you can, but I don't have a Mac. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm just saying there's a way. Running a Lenovo with Windblow. (laughs) Shaky, shaky. So... I guess long story short, this so this two wire thing looks uh, looks attractive, and it appears that it can do PoE, right? But so power yeah, over Ethernet, exactly. But nobody's come out and said, "Yo, use our stuff. It's got two wire Ethernet." Like, it's still not a thing yet, to my knowledge. Like, I'm not promoting it in my day job. I I think people are working on it. People aren't asking me for it. Well, I think this is this is the weird thing. You know, back to the standards discussion last last podcast, like. Unless somebody drives a standard for everybody to jump on board, then you're just kind of like left out there swinging in the breeze if you jump out ahead. And then in the meantime, everybody else went, oh, but we want to do it this way. And we decided that we would collectively do it this way. But isn't this being, isn't there like a consortium of all the big wigs? Yeah, I think this one, I think this one's pretty far ahead. Last time I checked, red, blue, and green are all involved. (laughs) Yeah, so if we look at this Ethernet-APL-ORG, and I've got the list up here, so it's part of the... Even yellow. I think red, blue, green, and yellow are all involved. Yeah, I can see it on my end. Your screen sucks. Sorry. Yeah, talk Uh, to my producer. Yeah, right. The Standards Org, this FieldCom group is part of it, ODVA, the OPC Foundation, and then the PI, the Profibus Profinet people, industry partners. So, again, you mentioned uh, we got ABB, Emerson, Phoenix, Rockwell... E&H, uh, Yokogawa, Oh, and Siemens. even the, the big, yeah, Siemens is in there. Like, I mean, come on. P&F, right? Yeah. So, so seemingly people are in. And again, I 
I think this will be this will be something that'll continue to to grow. There, there's no doubt in my mind. But the the difference being, I don't think the protocol bliss that you're hoping for is what you're going to arrive at. Well, that's the question. Like, so so does does Siemens say, hey, we sell twelve percent of our industrial control revenue? I'm making this up. And and that is our accessory biz that we tie to Profinet, right? But then Profinet, that ecosystem, drives people to continue to use, you know, phase one was all Profinet. So guess what? Phase two in our plant has to be Profinet because we want it all to talk to each other. So they get they get a circuit breaker and they get the Profinet connection to that circuit breaker. They get a VFD. They get the Profinet connection to that VFD. And then they say, yippee skippy, right? Mm-hmm. Easier to work with our stuff, but you got to buy our stuff. So then we get an extra 12%, right? Are they giving that up? And then they're saying, we just have one set of accessories and they're two wire and they'll work with, and you can use Siemens with everybody. Like now we're going to go after the plant that already has a Rockwell phase one and phase two. And we're going to inject in and we say, Hey, with this ethernet 2.0, we can play well with your AB system. We don't care. Like, yeah. How do they justify it? Like why do these, all these friends jump on the same highway, like my metaphor at the beginning. Well, I think, I think they have to, <clears throat> you know, because if they're the if they're the one person that doesn't support this new hype train thing, mm-hmm. then, you know, that's the first thing that any anybody good at sales goes like, oh well, you know, fill in the blank competitor, you know, they're behind the eight ball. So sure, you're but like, like forced to compete on that a little bit. Yeah. This, this whole conversation kind of builds on what we talked about last week about what you just brought up, Justin, which is the, the Apple game, right? We, we killed thunder firebolt, which is it? I don't know which one they call it. Thunder or fire. Thunder. Thunder. The lightning connector. Lightning. <laughs> yes. And we went to USB-C. Yes. Right. And that was primarily because Europe was like, Hey, we're, we're, we're throwing away all these cords. We're not throwing away a bunch of cords in the game. You know, I think it's funny that you buy a, a third-party drive, like a Yaskawa drive, and there are, I believe on the GA800, there are 12, maybe 8, somewhere in there, in different communication cards that cost list price 400 bucks or thereabouts, right? But there's a difference. An EIP card has a license built into it, so that card costs more than the Modbus TCP IP. So then does the Ethernet 2-wire card, does that come out? Is that even cheaper? So it's so it's it's the media that changes. It's a two wire cable. Yeah. But you're gonna have the same six Ethernet based protocol cards. So let's go back to the drive example. So I'll have a Ethercat COM card, an Ethernet IP COM card, a Profinet COM card, a PowerLink COM card. Circos. Circos three, CC Link and Modbus Can. TCP. Can. Can's not over Ethernet, I don't believe. It is not over Ethernet. So I have seven different but they have Ethernet can cards for these communications. Totally, examples. but that yep. one won't change, right? Correct. So of your 14, seven of them today you'd plug a Cat5 cable into. Yep. Any of these protocols, and let me see if I can go oh, back so to Oh, so then the, if I'm Yaskawa, I only have to push out one COM card, and then you just configure it? Like you configure the drive? No, because then you'd have to put a giant memory chip on there to be For able to every handle network, all the protocols. Right? But yeah. that's the firmware magic. The firmware magic. So hardware-wise, it could be the same card, right? You could have a card with an Ethernet chip on it. Oh, it should be. I mean, if I'm making it drives, be. it should be, because then I just want to 
scan it, go through my my production line, and go, oh, this we're today we're making profies and totally firmware zapping, be. right? But Is this, it a, like, technically called that firmware zapping? Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. like some of, some of what you're suggesting is this. Uh, have you heard of the open process automation form? So it's more of a like a lot of process customers, big process customers, have kind of got this form consortium together, and they said, hey, you need to make all your stuff play together nice. So it's it's a lot of big players that are that are pushing for again back to standards mm-hmm. that like we want to be able to make any of your stuff work with any of the other stuff. So like, whose money's behind that deal? <laughs> I mean, is that where all the KP, you know, the the Kleenex folks and the and the food making folks are they the ones funding that? Like, I mean, yeah, all I the think, money, right? Like, I think so, so is that like the tail wagging the dog? little bit but like to them it's it's if you can get all your vendors to standardize totally on any of this so common programming language common network common right, yep, yep. now now it's this whole like truly modular plug and play like i can mm-hmm. go get the best from this vendor and the best from that totally. one i throw them on the network and they talk it's not like a you know and it doesn't cost you a bunch of automation time to figure out that table that translation table like oh these guys only speak portuguese and these guys are speaking french yep but but now i think back to the time where i got to tinker with modbus tcp right and that was one of the things that you and i charlie appreciated about it was like okay i can make it talk to anything yep but it was always a pain in the butt because it was like oh is this one big indian or little indian did they start at zero did they start at one did they start at twelve thousand and one? right so it was this giant dumpster fire of mapping challenges that yep. you always had to figure out. So, like, I love the idea of plug and play and all the openness. But then I think back to our comment earlier: Windows. Mm-hmm. No one loves Windows. We tolerate it. We tolerate it. Mm-hmm. Why is it such a mess? Because it's so open. You can plug in literally but, anything but, into it. But Linux isn't terrible, allegedly. I mean, I'm not a Linux user, but. Everybody's I'm not excited either. that we're coming out with Linux-based hardware in the future that's replacing Windows. Totally. Now. Yeah. But I think about, like, the Mac OS X. I just put my computer, like, I, I fire it up. I've never had to download new drivers. I've never had, like, there's all these things I've never had to do because it's a closed ecosystem. It's, yeah, but it, you just complained about your magic docking station. It doesn't look like it came from Cupertino. It sure didn't. It came from Second uh, Street from Rockwell HQ, <laughs> and uh, it worked great for the longest time. And and I got it. Like it's working again now. It's just the AirPlay that's jacked. But yeah, so so there's some challenges. Some things work. Some things won't. Um, but that but that's this whole thing of like, do you like lock down and vertically integrate your whole ecosystem, or do you go open? So like this is like the whole Android Mac OS debate, you know, iOS debate. But it's there's more than two. R- right. But like I And there's loads of money. I mean <clears throat> just the money alone at, at ABB, Rockwell and Siemens, like holy balls. You know? Like and there so then I'm trying to see I'm trying to understand how they justify they're not gonna stop making EIP, obviously. So No, we're keep, gonna run it on the two wire network. That's yeah. what I would do. So you yeah. still have you still have all the same protocol issues you do today. It's just a standard way to get there. So it's strictly a media play. 
So yes. it is. Yeah, it, that's it my is, understanding. It is like the th- the Thunderbolt USB C. Yep. It's the of the industrial automation land. Wow. Sorry, it took me so long to get there. No, it's no like so. So back to the iOS Android thing. So for a little bit, I had an Android app on the market, and it want you can get the stats on like how many different pump it. Talk about it. Uh, it was. It was super lame. It's already off the market, but it was, <laughs> I got people, I was tired of people asking me how to scale one value to another value. So I, I literally just wrote an app that was called scalar that you could just put in like four to 20 to zero to hundred. And then nice. you, you could do indirect square root and all the, all the fun stuff. Look at you. Look at the big brain on Brad. But it, so the, the stat at one point is that that app had to support like 21,000 different Android devices. What's the what's the cost on that per month? Uh, I mean, no, no real cost, but it was just like me as a developer had to take like in theory, if I was doing some special thing with the hardware, I would have had to take into account like, OK, I got to check every device if, if it. Oh, so just a validation? Just a validation to go like... Versus if you would have been an iOS, you'd have been a hero. Yeah, it's essentially like I don't have to backport. Like all the things that I want to support are just there already. But I I pay Apple for that privilege. Yeah, 30 points? Yeah, or more. I think it's like 100 bucks a year or something. Just, no, they get thirty cut. They get thirty points off everything you shoot. Oh yeah, well, so I have to pay right? to be a developer. Oh, that's right. And then they take, yeah, off every download, they take yeah thirty percent, thirty percent. Yeah. So, whereas like Android, I paid once, and I'm a developer for life. But like all the onus of supporting those twenty thousand devices. So you're paying is on for me. it somewhere or the other. Yeah. So you're, you somebody does it for you, or you have to do it. Yeah. So did you port it over to iOS? No, you should. I might. I'm. I'm low Port on. Port it over free. to iOS. <laughs> you could be an advertiser on Automation Advocates, and uh, you could charge. You know, uh, I don't know, four dollars and twenty cents uh, for the download. Yeah. So and, that and donate it all <clears throat> to the to the the Three Legged Dog Foundation or whatever you so, want. So that was one of one of the like the back. You know, not quite regrets, but when I saw that my download count, hit, I'm like, impressed, dude. I got it hit like. You know, thirty thousand downloads, dude. Do the math: thirty thousand times four dollars and twenty cents. That's not a bad day. I know, and I gave it away for free, which everything. Totally. <laughs> so Think of I, the ads you could sell on. There. I know you could sell ads. Things, you know, for anybody that has a four to twenty output device, like, hey man, do you want ads on my app? Things I would do differently. You should hurry up. Somebody in <laughs> in uh, Ukraine is writing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I only bring them up not because I'm making fun of their situation, but because I'm impressed with I've in the last 12 months um, through my multiple uh, projects and exposure to the world have been solicited either directly or indirectly from people who are in the Ukraine and are churning out work. That's and I wild. just can't imagine the work environment. Like, I mean, even if you're not around that, you know, in the worst of it, like you're still like you wake up every morning and your stress level has got to be at least a six, you know, and it's just like, come on. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And so, I didn't, I didn't actually contract with anybody yet from there. Um, just cause I was ominous. Honestly, I was like, okay, well, what, what regress do I have if, uh, you're, you know, not available for whatever reason? Let's just be positive. Yeah, fifty percent of the project. Then what do I got? Yeah, you know. So we've been downloaded, and I don't. You can't see it, but I can. 
nine times in Ukraine. So See? Yeah. Told you. Big shout out to the Ukraine. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. I had to go to page two to find it. So just out of curiosity, and this is... Uh, Are we going to play the over-under game and beg for more listeners? No. <laughs> 80, 85.7% of our listening downloads have come from the U.S., 3.4% Canada, 1.5% the U.K., 1.4% from Australia, India. I don't think we have Spain. statistically relevant data yet. It, dude, it's super statistic. <laughs> There's a chart. I have a dashboard. That means it's official. If it ain't a da- if it ain't a dashboard, it ain't real. Nine times from Sweden, you know. What else? Let's break through those double digits. Let's go, Sweden. Come on, you're racing the Ukraine. Let's go. <laughs> Don't you have friends over there? Yeah. Is he in Norway? Sweden. What the heck? Send him a sticker. Uh yeah, KJ, send me your address if you're the guy. That's our nine downloads. I'll send you a sticker. Yeah, shout out to KJ. I love that guy. <clears throat> So, uh, is it cheaper? I don't know. It's got less wires, right? It's got less wires. Which, I don't know if you know, copper's kind of in a critical state right now. So, the thing that's interesting to me would be, like, I think about my time doing hot cell work, right? So, you had the the fibers going through the wall, and I think about maybe expansions of existing equipment. So, if I have an existing Cat5 cable, what would be really rad would be, could I potentially split that into four twisted pair and and have four devices connected instead of one? <laughs> right? Like, will somebody make a spider breakout so I don't have to replace? Because that's what we're talking about. Like, can I? This can is I why do- we can't have nice things. <laughs> I, I mean, I can think of three places where I get that made. <laughs> I feel soldering this iron is like, in my garage. I'm sure you're not the only one, but this is like one of those edge cases that the designers were never like, nobody's ever going to do this. Like oh, this. no, they tried that. <laughs> Come on. Or do you just put a network switch in there to use your Cat5 and out the other side is a bunch of two-wire? Yeah, but to your point, can you have, what if you have a network switch that already has, you know, 16, 8 cable Ethernet cords? Can To your point, can we turn that into... <laughs> Eight times 16 of goodness? I don't know. I mean, as long as... So, like, with the old 10-base T, you remember they had the resistor module that had to go on the end? Mm, Yes. As long as I'm not dinking around with resistor modules, I guess I don't really care. Well, there's serial networks now that are advanced enough to eliminate that in the cabling. Shout out to DeviceNet. I mean, I know it's on a slow death here, but... Is it still around? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like like talking about Reaganomics. (laughs) Same decade, right? Um, so is Profibus though. So my yeah, per- but that's only because Profinet came out. It's just like EIP over DeviceNet, right? So my personal yeah. record for commissioning a DeviceNet segment is I found fifty resistors on the segment at one point. <laughs> You're supposed to have two. So, so if you can't fix it, add resistance. That that was the theory. I think is whoever made this MCC section. So. <laughs> What are we giggling about over there? Just the uh, the whole premise of uh, stumbling into this giant pile of uh, resistors everywhere. Oh yeah, I, I I'm trying to envision what you know. How are they connected to the cable? Well, it was the like terminals, you know, four pin deal. So that it's just in the terminal blocks or like at terminals. So it's this big MCC section, and whoever designed it thought that you needed a terminating resistor at 
every device. Oh, come so on. So the T end of the device, there'd be a terminating resistor. So I had to oh. go through all 50 buckets, oh. open the whole thing. Are they running? Uh, they had just powered up. So at one point, <laughs> of course, there was a terminating resistor back behind the bus bars. Oh, no. I'm like, dang it. Behind You're going to have to shut down. Bar? Yeah, it was impressive. That seems like a terrible life choice in general. Yeah. I mean, yes. It's only 480 <sighs> volts. Probably I've also seen amps. device net fall across medium voltage transformer. Kapow. Kapow. Like vaporized a whole bunch that went across the transformer, but the cable vaporized. The cable. Yep. But the scanner card survived. You didn't use it though. No, but it still was good. Did like, it what? blow out all the daughter boards and all the devices too? No, like that's what was crazy is that most most of the devices on the segment it was on were still good. Really? Yeah. Anyway, tails. So it must have just tails arced, from the field. arced from phase A to phase B and just vaporized the middle and not shot it out to ground. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy to even think about that being possible. So, so then, yeah. so then the outlier that we haven't talked about network wise is IO-Link. Like, that's been on a terror lately, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of the same concept. I believe it's two wires. It's uh, plentifully deployed currently. We ship it. I think you can ship it with on at least 20 different manufacturers right now. Um, it's not owned by any of those manufacturers. Uh, and it does some cool stuff. Some people call it Skynet with a uh-huh. little bit of tongue in cheek. <laughs> um, but IOLink, my favorite feature of IOLink is you put it like an IOLink sensor out in the, in your, you know, on your manufacturing floor and maybe it measures, um, the, you know, the, the cans of soda going down the line and counts them mm-hmm. or it measures the uh, ingredients to make said soda upstream in the big tanks or it measures the truck approaching the dock to you know drop off stuff or pick up stuff uh, these are all sensor IO-Link applications that we know and love and there's more but if one of those sensors gets knocked off by an errant forklift maneuver <laughs> Well, then Bob the Builder in maintenance just shows up and tosses it over his shoulder to Susie, and Susie doesn't have to know anything about the settings of said sensor. They just screw it in. And the parameter set, because now we have chips in these sensors, is so deep, right? On a radar sensor, you may uh, ignore certain um pieces of the manufacturing line that would cause a negative result or an improper measurement, right? Or you'll you'll say, hey, we know that there's always going to be a, a cyclical impediment at this height, mm-hmm. so ignore that, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the um, <clears throat> resolution that we have now with these sensors. So Susie, when she goes to change the M12 out, she doesn't need to know anything about that. Right. She, she didn't need to be briefed by Tyler, the engineer who designed the line, or 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 Betty who who laid it out in the design engineering software, right? 
or or Charlie who sold him this this solution, right? She, uh, who's my lady? It's Susie. Susie she's, and Betty. Susie. Susie's on the floor with Bob the Builder, and she's going to swap that sensor out. And all she has to do is disconnect the M12, put it back in, and boom, it knows where everything is and where it's supposed to be. Assuming you hit the same mounting point. Yeah. You're good to go. And, and what's interesting. So it's a physical change with no need to make any setting changes. And so, therefore, you're back up and running, right? And you still yeah. get the same resolution that your system was designed for. That's the biggest, my understanding, one of the biggest benefits of IO Link. It's two wire. It's just a matter of could they. So the question is, I guess, could you make two wire Ethernet cable and change the M12? Or could you? I, what I want to see is IOLink on contactors or manual motor protectors or overloads and get the, the information out, like electronic overloads, right? If you could reset it and pull the current and the voltage data out. Well, I, I think there are manufacturers that have that. They do, but it costs an arm and a leg, man. Well, and it's, it's, it's like there's a, on, a, on an Eaton overload, there is a portal you can shove a doodad into that will enable you to electronically reset it, okay? And that thing is digital. It has some resolution understanding what that current value is. Why can't I grab that current value that, you're, that my dial is you know, interfacing with, and why can't you give me that, right? Where's your magic firmware? Soundbite, you got that? Well. Bling, right? <laughs> and, then, and then I, I'd, instead of having that reset module go in there and do just resetting, and the reason why you do that is then you have the ability to reset the point of motor control without having to wear a full-on uh, PPE Blast suit, yeah. right? <clears throat> so now we can have anybody, Bob the Builder, can go by and reset the overload after he figured out why things, you know, in a safe manner were, were tripped. Well, why can't I get a little bit more information out? Why can't you sell me a doodad that plugs into that same port, does the reset piece, grabs the current, or he allows me to send the current value from the PLC on IO link, and now winner, winner, chicken dinner. And it fits in. The neat thing about this idea is it fits into the the IEC frame width, right? So that's that port is on that width, and that width is 45, 55, et cetera, millimeters wide. You don't have to buy... They'll be like, well, we can do this with the Ethernet COM module is what they want me to do. Sure. They want me to sell the Ethernet COM module for, I don't know, $250, 400 and it takes up another inch on the uh -huh. DIN rail, uh -huh. needs to be supplied 24 volts, uh -huh. and now I got to run a four, an 8-pin, but it'll be a 2-pin yeah. Ethernet cable yeah. <clears throat> or a Profinet cable, yeah. and I can get all that information. I can do that reset. I want to... Lower the total cost of ownership, and I want to go right into that reset module port and get all that information. And like, that's my question: is is like, is that an IO Link two wire solution? Because I'm sending two wires to that reset module now, and I know you don't know this reset, but you guys have one at Rockwell on your electronic overload. Like, it's not a new idea. The point is, is there's an interface there, mm -hmm. and we can then can we change the guts and come out. So the question would be, and this is the, uh, the, the business side of things. So everything you said is 100% correct. I like the sensor example because I remember 
teaching sensors, right? And you probably remember, like, if you were on a conveyor and you wanted to say presence, not presence, presence, not presence, you'd put the object underneath there, you'd hold the teach button, the lights would blink, and then now you have a binary presence, not presence signal. Yep. You can do those setups exactly like you described over over IO Link, and it is awesome. It is, it's and you can experience. also use that as part of your recipe, right? Maybe you're cooking half inch thick cookies today, and tomorrow it's a one and a half inch cake. So I'm going to dynamically change that yep. number yep. as part of my recipe. Yep, all awesome, right? Yep. You can do that recipe change in the same hour. Yeah, down to the minute, right? Yep. Or down yep. to the widget if you wanted yep. to all day. Um, yep. Your challenge around the overloads and the contactor isn't a technical one, but maybe more so a business one. Yeah, and so they've tried it. Value, like Eaton, right? Yeah, but like, Eaton tried it with SmartWire. Sure. You know, they, they would argue that it's still good to go. I would argue it, it hasn't been invested and consistently grown and iterated on. Sure, um, sure. It's a great product. I just wish it got more attention. But my, you know, Going back to the USB-C versus Thunderbolt or the you know, Ethernet APL, the Ethernet 2.0, the two-wire solution versus Profinet or DeviceNet or Serial, like, why aren't we making it easier to get the information out of the dumbest stuff? And it isn't even the dumbest stuff. Like, it isn't a bimetallic overload. It's an electronic overload. Yeah. Like, the information's there. And is it firmware magic, or are they going to tell you, oh, we can't actually see that value? I'm like, I bet you could get it. bet you could. Like, you're reading it, right? That dial is a potentiometer on a circuit board, and it goes between 9 and 45 amps. But I and think in order to keep it... An informa- but to your point, you're like, oh, it's got to be a sales thing. Like, dude, it's important. So, that so you're, you're giving up money right now to yeah. the CT manufacturer. Sure. And you already paid him. Right? Because there's some version of a CT inside that digital overload. There has to be. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we have a f- an electronic way to get around that. There's still like a... Has to be. There's yeah. copper spinning around a hole, right? Yeah. Okay. As far as I know. Or a, or a piece of copper. Right? That's, right. Anyway. So the answer is yes. Winding around I, the lead. I, but, but I, again, so... So the dance that, that we do, and we have this conversation with customers on a regular basis, right, is, hey, I really like this thing, but I need these other features. And you go, okay, well, that means instead of going from version A, you need to go to version B, which costs 30% more, but gets you the features you're after, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would love it if I could buy my F-150 for the price of the base level with cloth seats, but get all of the nicety features that I get in the Lariat. No, and I get it. I mean, what what I'm complaining about at the end of the day is the fact that the second best way is still viable. For sure. Right. Yeah. They have a, they either have the fancy CT that outputs a 4 to 20, and they run that into an analog input card, or they have a, a power meter that talks to a CT. It's boring. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, like, I think there is a commercial conversation around, and it's not just commercial, but it's because it it all like snowballs real quick. Because like, okay, so now I went from having twenty data points to two hundred data points, mm-hmm. and so like everything's everything's got to be built out. So I got to build out the network, I got to build out my historian, I got to build out, and so that gets into some of the conversation with like, you know, everybody wants to hype the I you know the industry 4.0 train right now. And, you know, I want data from everything and I'm going to store everything in the cloud. And, but like, what of that data is actually 
has relevance or like, and how do you get it? How do you get it? And my favorite question is why do you care? Yes. And who in your organization cares? So I think it's like, we're in the like wild, wild west phase of like, everybody just want, look, I want data from everything. And I want all the data for everything. Have you seen these data, data aggregator dashboards now that you can buy? Yeah. And they flat out like, we'll get data from anywhere and we'll put it in a big old iPad for you. And it like, I'm sure they're all I think some of the, we have one, some of the whole, (laughs) (laughs) of course they do. It's big red. Shout out to the big red. But like, you know, like here's the secret that I don't think a lot of people talk about your cloud costs never get cheaper. That's right. And the more data you put in there, the more expensive it gets over over time kind of like running a podcast (laughs) (laughs) we're still on the base level but yes yeah yeah so i mean like if there's some so like to to your one example like enabling a company to you know not put their worker in a in a place where they're they need to face the risk of resetting a breaker yep like that's that has intrinsic value Mm -hmm. to somebody to invest the money to Mm -hmm. go do all of that. Mm -hmm. But if it's just like, Oh, we tripped the breaker 43 times. What does that mean? (laughs) I have no idea because nobody built me the dashboard. Like, you know, like we're, we're at that phase of digital transformation. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can grab all the things. You still need a smart person to say, Oh, well, that breaker tripped 43 times because they're using it as an on-off switch, you know, like, or whatever, insert ridiculous example. Here. Right. That's a good example. Everybody can understand that. I've never used a breaker as an on-off switch inside of a panel. I think he's full of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome chat. We're coming up on the end of the hour here. This flew. Always time limits. So, um, so back right. to this firmware magic yeah. thing, not to like, cause this could be another 20 minutes. Could yeah. Your costume for Halloween. You could be the firmware magic wizard. <laughs> With the purple guy, hat. There's a guy I know who's got a staff for you. <laughs> so like, give me, give me your quick take on like, uh, a bunch of manufacturers are doing this. Like, uh, I think it was BMW. So they, they were giving people the option. Heated seats for a dollar? For Yes. Yeah. So like you have all, physically have all the hardware in place. But it, You going to pay attention there? I don't know what's going on here. Is but it, it you or me? It's not me. That's a firmware update. Yeah, not me. Nothing but like, ringing on mine. But what's your take on that? So like you have, you physically have all the, the, the hardware, the memory, the dude, like I, everything I, that's there, dude, but I, it's I, all firmware. I, I've, I'm all about it. I make money that way. Well, it, cause there's a, like, there's less part numbers to manage totally. all sorts of the stuff. Yeah. So like, is it the, I've, it's a, it's a strategy I am actively selling. <laughs> That's scary. It isn't. It's pretty simple. It's you, you deploy Eaton, uh, PXR 25 trip units and you tell your engineering team, you're like, huh. I'd like to only manage your sourcing team loves this. I'd like to only manage six part numbers. We are going to build all of our UL 508 panels with an either a 20, uh, 20 K and an 18 or 25 KIC. And then we're going to have a, a, a 35 and it's three part numbers. And then they're digital trip units and you dial them up. So you can have, uh, what is it? 80 to 225. 
And then you can have uh, like 100 to 250. Uh, I think it's 125 to 400. And then you can have like 200 to 600. Like, you can you can nail that down. Everybody knows what their general system uh, current rating is. And then they have their short and circuit current targets. And then you don't have to spend the time. Think about the total cost of ownership from an OEM perspective. They deploy these systems on the daily. Their sales team doesn't know how to say no. And so they add circuits for whatever it is, you know, moving air, uh, pumping water, uh, you know, making cheeseburgers, whatever it is. And they want to be globally competitive and they want to have standards so that they can just stock product in the, in the day that's so difficult to, to grab stuff, you can have a circuit breaker that can be a 250 amp circuit breaker or it can be a 60 amp, 600 amp circuit breaker and all the accessories are the same and the infra- interfacing to that circuit breaker is the same. I mean, pretty fun. Yeah, pretty fun. The- and to your point, the customer comes back, let's say you've got a modular product that has the ability to add capacity without changing its footprint. Not giving away in the farm on any of this. There's a lot of folks that do this. And there's a lot of folks that do it very well right here in Minnesota. That circuit breaker, that the, the one I'm talking about, 200 to 600 amps, wow. They don't, the customer doesn't need to know that you have to come out there and put in a, you don't have to put in a new circuit breaker. You can just show up. And if you use a product like Warner Bus Bar and you sync the bus bar, like, oh, it's a 400 amp system, but we left capacity in to go to 600, so you just maintain the 3010 profile, that's your standard bus bar. Now you've got a strategy, and you source everything simply, your inventory is ready to go, and then you can dial it up, and you can say, hey, Mr. Customer, phase two is going to cost you this much. Guess what? You programmed it in, just like they're doing, so we're doing it physically here, right? BMW is doing it, firmware update, over the air, OTR, right? And they're making the same money. It can, it's, it's a great business practice everywhere, right? They're just doing it with software. Is it right? Is it wrong? The market gets to tell us that. You don't have to buy the BMW. I drove a Tesla last month, first time, Model Y, and I was like, do I want a Tesla Y? Do I want a Tesla Y? What mm-hmm. am I going to spend? Like 70, 80, 100, mm-hmm. whatever, right? It's cool. No maintenance for 10 years. I drive 37,000 miles a year. I can see this working out. I generally go a little further than I should from time to time, but the supercharger network is being built out in Minnesota this year. Do you think though that it will go for 370,000 miles? Yes. Okay. My favorite example is a fleet of model S's that were documented that ran day trips from LA to San Francisco. Okay. So like I'm an exec, I have two offices or I got to go meet somebody uh, down in LA I don't want to work. I don't want to take the airplane. I just want to get there in six hours. And mm-hmm. you give me a Wi-Fi hotspot. And this is what they did. And they only repaired brakes and tires. And by repaired, they replaced them. Well, and, and Tesla's another example of like, uh, like I want to enable self-driving. Well, pay the token. Boop. There you go. Correct. But they don't have the one feature I think they should have. There should be... A heads-up display. I think that display in the center, again, standard placement, easy for right-hand drive, left-hand drive. It's brilliant. I get it. But give me my speed and my next turn and if my lights are on. Well, you don't have to tell me that. You automated that. But give me my speed and my left turn, right? 
because I would rather have a heads up display than an interruption to my conversation or the podcast or that third You're verse. saying on the windshield, heads up display. Yeah, yeah. right and, on the windshield. And augmented yep. reality. Correct. in the, Yeah, it's a yeah. GM. GM does it. Like, why isn't that there? Right. It's a, it's a safety argument, pr, you know, number one and number two, because that screen is a giant distraction. And I understand there's all the safety systems there to make sure I don't go in the ditch. But, dude, the performance with that distraction, you're like, am I him? You know? And I'm like, it's it's trippy. And, the, and then you go and you combine that with the speed between 60 and 100, allegedly. <laughs> All right. So speaking of the ditch, we totally <laughs> spent ten minutes getting a final point across. We've ran over I think it's the a great hour. Thing. I think I think market says it'll it'll keep coming. It's just going to be here. Man. I feel like this is a let. Let's oh, yeah, next we can week, jump next. Link that baby. Yeah. Let Let's have this chat next time um, around the rest of this uh, before we shut her down. Uh, quick around the horn, Tyler. Any final closing thought? I'm good. Charlie, be safe out there. Be safe. And on that note, uh, we're out of here. Later. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.